step into the sin bin. This is Penalty Box Radio. Four-time Best Sports Blog winner. With Justin Bradford. Three-time winner for Best Sports Reporter and Commissioner of the SECHC. And Glenn Blackwell. It's time to talk all things hockey in the music city. Penalty Box Radio is on. Smashville's Best Sports Talk. ESPN. 1025 The Game. Welcome to Penalty Box Radio here at ESPN 1025 The Game. Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell, Danielle Donata, and Captain Kurt behind the glass coming to you on a special Thursday edition, winter classic style of Penalty Box Radio. I am so thrown off with my days. Mm-hmm. I'm forgetting which day of the week it is. Two holiday weeks in a row. I barely slept last night because Jeremy K. Gover, the Preds Radio Network, and I drove overnight from Dallas back here. So it's Thursday, right, Glenn? I believe so, Justin. Okay, thanks. Yeah. Thanks, thanks for coming. And tomorrow's Friday? Mm -hmm. Okay. Although I did wake up this morning and for some reason thought it was Tuesday. (laughs) I don't even know where that came from. I know. Oh, boy. I know. That that would mean you have to throw a New Year's Eve party again. Yeah, we'll get our bearing bearing straight. I don't have any more goodie bags. They're all gone. (laughs) And Danielle just landed about an hour ago at Nashville International Airport and booked it over here to prepare for the show. So everyone coming back into town, if you're listening to us, especially on the app or on stream and you're traveling still to get back to Nashville, safe travels with all this weather. We really appreciate you tuning in. So let's go ahead and just dive right into the Winter Classic experience. Now, I'll preface this with Glenn. You were not able to be there, but it's always a different experience watching mm-hmm. on TV and being there too because it's a, it's a spectacle to see the production value yep. of watching on TV. So those are the people that, you know, the 20-some-odd thousand people that were there had a different experience from you and a lot of people here in Nashville obviously watch yep. on TV. What was it like just to see the team out there and the spectacle of all this, the national scope yeah. of the NHL? I think that they did a great job of making sure that that spectacle was truly, truly represented for people watching on television. Granted, you're not there and it doesn't, you don't get to feel that zest, that energy that people that are there get to feel, but at the same time... You almost, in some way, feel present. So they had just, it was just a very good buzz about it, a very good energy, and it was super enjoyable. My cat, my cat actually sat on my chest, oh. most of the, laid on my chest most of the time, and he would turn his head around to look at the screen, so he was actually trying to watch, but then oh, yeah. he'd block my, I actually have a cute video of it, I'll have to show you. I might tweet it out, but <laughs> he was very entertained. Uh, but yeah, it was I think they did a really great job of being able to put that on television for the people that aren't there. I think that they represented that well. And it was so awesome for somebody that's followed this team for as long as I have to see them out there. I mean, big. one, it was huge. The jerseys looked fantastic. The Dallas Stars jerseys looked fantastic on the ice. It just it looked so clean and it was I mean, I took a lot of pride <laughs> in knowing that yeah. I followed this team for as long as I have. Um, and watching them in such a big space, it was awesome. It was. And we're going to get into so much this entire... We don't have any guests at the show tonight. Y'all are a, the guests. Yeah, I'm the guest. We're, we're all... <laughs> we're doing a full debrief of it. So I don't, I don't want people to get upset. Of, we're not talking about this. Like We have an hour. We're going to talk about the setup of the Winter Classic because there's some honest truths, you know, giving full fan feedback criticism of things because you want it to be better. You know, what could Nashville do? As in hosting an outdoor game, what's Winter Classic or Stadium Series? Let's we're going to talk about the game, the actual game itself next, because that's also important to talk about. And then you know what's the future for the Nashville Predators? They're on a losing streak right now, and 
uh, some big games. And this, so this game did mean a lot, not just because of the spectacle, but also because of the two points that are on the line, too. And then we also have a lot of questions answered. So we're going to cover all these different topics as well. So I want to make sure people know we're going to cover everything that you really hopefully want us to discuss. So let's talk about the game itself right now. And the frustrating part was that the game was a 4-2 loss for the Nashville Predators, but I don't think for most people it felt like that because the Stars scored four unanswered goals. Mm-hmm. Had it been a 1-1, 2-1, 2-2, 3-2, 4-2 game, like, okay, they scored two unanswered, fine. Mm-hmm. Or even if it was a 2-0 Stars lead and the Preds came back to score two and then the Stars scored two again, yeah. it would have felt more like there was a battle back and forth. This one felt like it was... First period was great, and then downhill from there for the Predators. And it was one of those things we've seen so often for the team this season that they started taking penalties. And it changed the tide of this game so much because they weren't able to recover from it. Yet they did so well in the first period of taking advantage of things. And so, Glenn, for especially someone watching on TV, and then I'm going to get to Danielle, who's in the stands. So we all, three different perspectives. I was in the press box, so we had access to a lot of things. Glenn, you're at home, so you have access to the broadcast. Danielle's a fan in the stands that didn't have access to anything because we have 85,000 people there. Your phones don't work. <laughs> so, Glenn, on TV, let's go all the way back to the Corey Perry on Ryan Ellison. And we were very, very well known with Corey Perry and his antics on the ice, just given mm-hmm. his previous work with the Anaheim Especially Ducks. the Nashville Predators And, and I say, yeah. quote-unquote, previous work. With, <laughs> against Work. the Nashville Predators. Corey Perry played all of 38 seconds in the Winter <laughs> Classic. 38 seconds. Mm-hmm. And his coach said that they won it for Corey. Kiss my that, tuchus. Yeah. Yeah. Won it for Corey Perry. Yep. R- really? You won it for Corey Perry. Okay. That almost made me go <laughs> Roham Yossi on somebody. Because that, I mean, that, that grinds my gears a lot. Um, watching that... One, the play was just, it, it was just, it was dirty. It was wrong. It was dirty. Um, and I think that a lot of people, including myself, got a little tiny bit of satisfaction watching him walk because that's so long of a walk. That was, y'all, I don't even know if you understand. I mean, nobody in hockey is used to watching. You don't get that walk. They skate off and they go down the tunnel. Mm-hmm. This. It, it even seemed longer than it was because it was so enjoyable to watch. And then, of course, people on Twitter were fantastic and they were putting music, sounds behind it. Um, but that, you know, there was some slight pleasure you get from seeing him have to make that walk of shame after it. But a long, dumb, it, stupid walk yeah, of shame. That, I mean, and, and honestly, from his perspective, why would, you, why would you do that to yourself? You're out here showcased in the Winter Classic. Mm-hmm. And that just goes to show, I think, what type of player that he is because mm-hmm. he would rather do that. Now, I can't sit here and tell you if it was intentional. I don't know what was going on in his head, but it looked dirty. It was unavoidable. It could have been avoided. Mm-hmm. And and he did it. So he not only did that to his team, but he also took himself out of a really, really big, exciting game. He, he really did. And now Danielle in the stands, they didn't show a replay. So that's the thing is there's no replay, and we're trying to figure it out on the internet to see what happened because things happen so quickly, obviously, in sports. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So quickly, and if you blink, you miss what happened. All you see is Ryan Ellis down being attended to mm-hmm. and then everything else happening. So in the stands, what were people saying in the stands? Because that's what I want to know now. I've been able to hear about what people were thinking in the stands, what happened. Were they able to get something on their phone to see replays? No, I went on Twitter immediately because I saw half of the hit. I saw Ryan Ellis laying there totally knocked out, but I didn't see the first half of the hit when Corey Perry went up on him. And half the stand just went totally silent. I was in a Preds-dominated section, so 
it was mainly Preds fans, and half the people went silent, and half of the people were, you know, booing, freaking out. Oh my gosh, what happened? But I went to Twitter immediately. I was going to check Justin and Gover and everybody there, and nothing was working, and there were no replays, and there were no stats on the board. So people were just left to wonder, and nobody knew what was happening. And some of those Stars fans were like, ah, oh, he's a faker, whatever. And some of them were just you know, silent and waiting, concerned. But mm-hmm. it was such a mixed atmosphere, and nobody knew what was going on. So right. it just kind of lingered for a few minutes until people were, people were like, okay, he's hurt, and Perry's out. That was crazy. On to the next. Right, and that's what made it such a unique situation there, too, because usually in stadiums, a lot of times there might be a replay quickly before they realize, oh, this player's hurt. Yeah. We don't need to be showing mm-hmm. this. So that that right there was interesting. But then the Predators came out and took care of business on the power play twice because then another penalty happened, and they had a five on three, and they took care of bit, two goals for the Predators. And people were going, whoa, look at this. The Predators yeah. come out storming and that roaring. That momentum was unmatched. The momentum was right there. They were flying out there, too. And obviously the huge Pred sections were going nuts. I could hear the it's all your fault up in the press box with the windows all closed and all this noise going on. I could hear mm-hmm. it over that. And on TV, I'm sure it picked would, up, too. Yeah, on television, it was loud. I was yeah. very, very proud. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was very, very loud. Just, well represented. It, and it's difficult when you're in a second, when you're like that, to get everything organized. So I'm sure there's multiple chants going on and everybody just kind of latched out. Okay, we're going to follow this one. Mm-hmm. But it, they could be heard. And that's where we show the representation that people were there and excited and everything. So, Nashville, you represented yourselves so well by making that trip because, yeah, people talk about the Michigan one where it was a lot of Toronto Maple Leafs fans and everything. But Dallas is a 10 hour drive away. And a lot of those flights got taken up so quickly. People were driving. People were flying. People were spending a whole week there and everything like that. And, again, I always will say this, too, is you have games that sometimes happen, say, Ann Arbor, Michigan, a little bit outside the city, South Bend, Indiana, obviously still in the Chicago market for the Blackhawks, but outside the city. But those games have featured original six teams. Original six teams. The original six, meaning they've had generations of fans. People have grown up knowing nothing but being here that my great-grandfather yes. <laughs> can say now. My grandfather was a season ticket holder. I've been going to games and hearing stories about this. Predators don't have that. <laughs> Dallas Stars fans don't have that. Neither of these two fan bases have that been able to say that for six generations. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they don't have that. So the built-in fan base is different there. So for both fan bases to show up and to have 85,630 people in those stands for both fan bases is very impressive to do that when it's two, quote-unquote, previously non-traditional markets and for Nashville to show up like that. So, I, Danielle, I know you have something you wanted to say because you're like, ooh, me, ooh, me, me. <laughs> yes, I was doing that. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, but just being a fan and being in the stands on those two power play goals, it felt like a home game 100%. Like I said, I was in that Preds dominant section and they were pulling the it's all your fault, Bishop, all the good Nashville chants. It felt like a home game. And then immediately once the second period started, it felt like a Dallas home game. <laughs> and just experiencing the, oh, it's a Preds home game. Oh, it's a Dallas home game. Right. The crowd was so into it on both ends, and it was just enjoyable to be at. And then you realize, oh, yeah, that's right. This is a Stars home game because the fireworks, the goal song, do do Dallas, do do Stars, <laughs> Pantera, Pantera, Pantera. Good job. <laughs> Thank you. But that's where everything changed as well, too. And then we started to go, oh, boy. Uh, then the second period, two, okay, 2-1, two, 2 okay. That's doable. Okay, that's doable. You know, that's okay. right. Just hold, hold on to that league. Get one more. Okay. <laughs> I got you, fam. And then the third period happened, and that's where you could just see, you could tell the oh factor starting to get in. But then 
the Predators actually started battling back. They just couldn't get another goal. And that's where Matt Duchesne even said the third period was basically 50-50 in terms of opportunities. And you can see how that reflected in natural stat trick on just shot opportunities. Not saying full-on possession, but shot opportunities that the Predators started battling back. They just couldn't get anything going. But it was the penalty problem. They gave Dallas way too many opportunities because you have power play goals for Dallas that you have the, the Janmark and the Radulov were both power play goals. So two goals right there is because you gave them an opportunity. And they took advantage of it. And they took advantage of it. So Pecorino actually had a decent enough game to win. He had a winnable game. Yep. Pecorino played in winnable fashion because I know goaltending has been a struggle for this team. So he played a winnable game, and then the offense couldn't support it there, and then they take, take, take penalties, and it's frustrating to watch that because you're letting a team that has a lot of talent like Dallas in their forward core to be able to do that. And I've noticed that the car, the 1025 The Game vehicle, arrived back with our friends from the station from Dallas as we were on air. So the crew is coming back home. Everybody's coming home. But anyways, <laughs> you know, it's been a little chilly outside. It's been a little rainy outside as well. And we have so, so much more gross. to talk about. But when weather like this is happening, you're talking about winter, you're thinking about the summer sometimes. You're like, and what's going to be like when it's warm, right? I want to escape somewhere warm. Yeah, escape somewhere warm. And you know what? You can do that. With the Penalty Box Radio Hockey Fan Cruise with Ships and Trips Travel in Royal Caribbean. That's July 12th to 19th on Royal Caribbean. And we're going to Cozumel, Costa Maya, Roatan, Honduras, three days at sea. And there's an ice rink on the ship that we're going to have private rentals. To get in your rink. hockey summer needs. Yeah, to get in your skating needs. You can go in there and skate. We're going to have trivia nights. We're going to have all these different types of nights that are just for the people in our groups. So we want you to come and travel with us. Middle of July, so it's past the draft. It's after the development camp. It's after free agency. It's... The time where you have time to vacation, not worry about hockey news happening and missing something. So come on a vacation with a HockeyFanCruise.com. It's HockeyFanCruise.com with Penalty Box Radio, Ships and Trips Travel, and Royal Caribbean. So up next, we're going to finish talking about the game, talk about the Dallas experience, the good and the bad and the frustrating as well. We want to talk all about that. All that up next, Penalty Box Radio, ESPN 102.5 The Game. And welcome back to Penalty Box Radio here on ESPN 125 The Game. Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell, Daniel Donetta, Captain Kurt behind the glass, taking care of us tonight. And let's continue our discussion in the Winter Classic. I know it's kind of a full debrief and some of you may be over it, but you know what? Tough deal with it. Uh, We want to talk about it. So third period is where we're at now, and this is where everybody's groaning. (laughs) So it was frustrating because the Stars just basically took control and you could feel the tide turning. Uh, in that stadium, but let's we, we know that the end result is the four two game, and afterwards the reaction of the players because a lot of times in home games they can kind of go run off and hide, <laughs> and after we're about answering media questions, whereas this is a big event, so they're a lot of them are staying in there. They know they need to answer questions, and so what what I wanted to say was that it was interesting to hear some of the takes from the certain players. Some players were willing to comment on the Corey Perry hit, others weren't. Matthias Ekholm was like, it was bad. <laughs> It was bad. Duchesne, um, I would rather not comment on it. <laughs> Pecorine, uh, his commentary on the game itself is one of those things that normally, you know, just makes you want to cry for him mm-hmm. because he even said as well that they were what they felt they were well prepared, they were well rested, the league took care of them, everything was great, there was no rush, that they have no excuses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think he actually said, we're in trouble. We're in trouble right now. And that is, it's disheartening. It's hard to hear that because people in Nashville 
you know, a lot of people, we've got a big heart for Pecorino mm-hmm. because he has been the backbone of this team for as long as he has. And he is such a stand-up guy on and off the ice. And so when when you hear defeat in his voice, you start to really get concerned. Right. When when your goaltender says we're in trouble, and that goaltender's Pecorino, who right. usually has words of encouragement, there's something that, you know, you can kind of have to hold on to. But it's tough. And, it, I mean, it's it was obvious that they mm-hmm. were in trouble. When you have a period like you had in the first period and you see the momentum, it was almost – like it was almost playoff feel. It was almost like magic. They they mentioned that a lot and, of players said it yeah. felt like the playoffs, and the, and that that translated. But man, in the third period, it's it's wild that in a sixty minute game you can have that first period like that, and then the third period that way. It's just like how is that the same team? And, and you start to really ask tough questions. Oh sure, because you have to. And before the game, everybody's trying to focus on well. Yes, we know it's an important two points, but this is the experience, da 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 all that, which I even asked about because it is about the experience before the game. Mm-hmm. Once a puck drops, it is about the game only, really. You you hear things happening, but you're focused on the two points, especially against a division rival like that. And then afterwards, with the, the fashion that they lost in, it really becomes a question about the game and the team. And we'll get to that in the next segment. But afterwards, what's always so unique about these games, and we talked about it uh, on Twitter, was the ramp these guys have to walk up. And just that experience, too, of they have to walk up a ramp, the goalies get carted off, but then the experience in Dallas. So, Danielle, I'm going to come to you because you were working as a fan for this game. The overall experience there, I got there pretty early, so yeah. rode the train, which I love that Dallas has DART. The train system in Dallas was fantastic. Yes, it was crowded and almost fell over onto people because I didn't realize it was getting ready to go. And I may have said well, that's not Dart's fault. I may, that's your I may fault. have said choice words, and that's totally my fault uh, for not paying attention. But I love the train system there because it takes you right to the entrance to the to Fair Park. So it was fantastic there. The way that that was great, and because I think they're basically running for free yep. uh, that day. So, but the fan experience from you for you just walking in, what was it like? And give a, a quick criticism of the good and the bad that you experienced, and the best way you yeah. can. I mean. Whenever we walked in, it was pretty crowded. I mean, there were 80,000 people there. So, of course, it's going to be crowded. But it wasn't – you could walk. And it was awesome to go see all the rides and the food. They had the Stanley Cup. They had jerseys. They had stuff you could take pictures with. The overall experience was an excellent idea. And if you were there early enough – because I know that I got there around 9.30 in the morning. So, I was there bright and early. But the people who got there around 8, perfect. They got their chance to go do everything without a line. But I know that I got there – that early and I went the only thing I cared about was seeing the cup and there was almost a three-hour wait to see that and just how crowded it got and they only had one midway open I think there were three but they only had one open and once we got to the back of the midway it was excellent seeing all the stuff but it took us an hour and a half to get from the back to the front and we almost missed warm-ups in the beginning of the game just because there was no control of the crowd and that's something that is extremely dangerous as a lot of people know there was an incident but it was excellent to see that they had all these people that loved the game and loved their teams and wanted this experience. But overall, it's just the danger and the chaos kind of overwhelmed the happiness and the experience. And the people showed up early. Like that's something oh, you don't always get mm-hmm. for games is that yeah. people showed up early and wanted to soak it all in. And even me, cause I always want to get a puck and wasn't able to because I the merch line. Oh, there's the merch tent. Oh, boy, there's the line. And it was a line that probably at least three, four hundred people long. Oh, absolutely. Oh, wow. And the corn dog line was like 200 people long. Pierre, a Texas McGuire, <laughs> Pierre Maguire got his. Yeah, please, 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 sure please don't mention that. <laughs> he was confident that is, about it, too. That is nightmare fuel, Glenn. 
don't want to hear about Pierre Maguire <laughs> taking a bite of his corn dog <laughs> on on broadcast air. He did that. Uh, I know. But wow. Yes, that's that's what I noticed too. Because early on, we were able to move about, and everybody's taking their pictures with the Cotton Bowl sign and the mm-hmm. logos and everything. And all of a sudden, whoosh, everything came in is just clogged. Um, and and so I think that's what that was obviously clear frustrations with people because you start comparing to other winter classics and the way things are laid out because if you have multiple midways open for that many people then it spreads everything out you hope once the bowl opens and trying to move around and navigate and everything like that and the cotton bowl is an old stadium so the concourses aren't wide either intermission i know i got up the first intermission because i was hungry and i couldn't get a corn dog because the lines were so long (laughs) and i walked out of my seat into the concourse and it was so packed that no one was moving so i just i turned around and went back to my seat right it's like i can't fight it it's dangerous it's absolutely dangerous and and every single one of these events is learning experience of course and i think too and i know many people have mentioned it online is that we're pretty spoiled in nashville Mm, (laughs) with how well things have gone over for major events especially when, when it's hockey-related events, because you think back to the Stanley Cup final and those tens of thousands of people appearing downtown when you only have days to prepare for that. Days. Yeah. Days to prepare for this many people to be downtown. Are there always going to be complaints, frustrations? Absolutely. But in the amount of time they had to prepare to get that many people downtown to make sure that they had concessions, you know, and safety reasons and security, all that security, all, all that yeah. stuff, did a really good job. And Nashville, I think, with the Predators, have done a fairly good job with the All-Star game, with Stanley Cup final, all these the big events like that. And planning and preparation to take care of that. I think a lot of Predators, Predators fans were frustrated because they're used to being mm-hmm. taken care of pretty well yeah. in those big league type events like that. And then I know Stars fans are frustrated. But the thing is, too, I've seen a great deal of things about this experience. And one thing I noted, and, and Danielle can attest to it, is, is during the New Year's Eve party that we had, which we had 300 people at our New Year's Eve party. It was awesome to celebrate with everybody there, too. A nice family-friendly event and have people there partying and singing mm-hmm. I Like It, I Love It at Midnight. <laughs> was pretty awesome spectacle and having Nash and Victor E. Green, which stands for Victory e. Green. I got it. Danielle, you I got that. I figured it out. <laughs> <laughs> that was my baby it was about, moment. It was about the experience, and no matter what happened, enjoy the experience. Mm-hmm. And seeing people understand that, okay, you know what, I was really frustrated, but overall, it was just we were there. And walking up the ramp, and all of a sudden, whoosh, the ice is right there. Is part of that experience of having that whoa, that wow moment of we are the center of the league's attention right now. Not just the team, but the city as well. Yeah, you're the away team, but the city's there too because look how well national fans traveled. And so amongst all the frustrations that a lot of people I see still overall enjoyed the experience because they got to see their team play in this and seeing pictures of, the, of them and their families, that they got to make this a family event. So they're able to introduce, make sure these kids, they got to experience it. And friends and posting pictures and understanding that the experience was what it was about. Mm-hmm. Right When it comes down to it, yes, you can be frustrated with the loss we, and you can talk about that. But this one thing, blip that out of this experience was something that was very unique for everyone to enjoy. Yeah. And, of course, there are going to be so many frustrations and well-pointed frustrations that everybody makes mistakes. You learn from it as well because you hope that the next time this doesn't happen or that if there was something that was frustrating people that, okay, well, this happened to the cotton, but we got to make sure that we don't do it then as well. Because, I mean, we had our own things as well with our, with our group that we wanted to make sure that we learn from this for the next trip that we do with Penalty Box Radio. So that's mm-hmm. what it's all about is learning about the experience as well. And I know we got to get to break soon, but that's what we'll talk about next too is what would an experience be like for Nashville to host an outdoor game, where could it possibly be? Where should it absolutely not be? I have a few pointers on that. And then also, what can the Predators do or should do as a team in terms of fixing the on-ice product, and what can we do to take care of that? You know, What, what can we say that's hopefully going to give people some knowledge on what we think the Predators are going to do? Is there much? 
Not sure on that. So we're going to talk about that up next here on Penalty Box Radio, ESPN 1025 The Game. And welcome back to Penalty Box Radio here on ESPN 1025 The Game. Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell, Danielle Donana, Captain Kurt behind the glass. Let's keep on talking Winter Classic. Something I did like before we get to the Nashville part, <laughs> the pig racing. For those of you that weren't there, <laughs> oh, you, you might have only seen it on the internet because they weren't mm-hmm. showing anything of it on the broadcast on TV. It said pig racing or TV timeouts. But what I was most proud of were the names of the pigs that they decided to go so with. So well done. So I want to read some of these off for people. Alex Oinkvechin, <laughs> Joe Porkvelski, <laughs> Bobby Bohr. <laughs> Roham Yossi. <laughs> and they also had Gabriel Lannis Hogg. He was one a winner. Of the best. Yep. Tyler Swine in. <laughs> Gordy Sow. <laughs> Pork Arena. <laughs> and then, and then um, Jordan Piggington. <laughs> Andrew, Andrew Hogliano. <laughs> Ray Pork. Ryan Johamson. Well, I got to the airport. <laughs> Ryan Johamson. Yeah. That's great. There was a small child at the airport today talking to his parents about Roham Yossi. And I tell you, that made my entire week worth it. So so now the talk, Commissioner Gary Bettman addressed the media during the second intermission at the game yesterday. And the question obviously came up was, when's Nashville going to host one? And his note was that they've been trying to do it for years. It's just logistically hasn't been able to happen. So I got people obviously thinking, what does it mean? They're not going to be able to do it at the Nissan Stadium. Uh, Vanderbilt, I don't think, is a good option because it's not big enough in the layout for it. Can you imagine trying to fit the, that many thousands of people in a Vanderbilt yeah, Stadium like that? The layout and it only holds like, what, 45 or I don't know, 45,000 Even then, maybe? it's not like set it's up. Not, it's not yeah. a modern stadium. To, yeah. a, even though Cotton Bowl's not modern, it's still better equipped than even this. Yeah. That's saying something. Uh, so it got people wondering about what could happen for the National Predators to be able to host something like that because – the Predators have proven that their fans will travel, they're willing to spend money on their team, that they will go and see them. They're a part of the Global Series next year as well, meaning they they believe the Predators fans will probably travel, which they will. We're going to be putting together a trip. Mm-hmm. And that it's also going to feature European players out there playing in Europe, which would be great too, but it's putting this team on focus. So what's going to happen next? First thought for me is the MLS stadium for a stadium series game. It is going to be difficult to do a Winter Classic because of Nissan Stadium, and it's not necessarily just because of the Music City Bowl, folks. It's because of the Titans. What happens? <laughs> the Titans are in the playoffs, and they have to host a home game right when the Winter Classic is supposed to take place. Yeah. It would be the week right after it. You can't dismantle everything. You have to put everything up. Yeah, you can put them on the road, but that's always that what if. It's very mm-hmm. difficult to do it there. Yeah. You can make it happen, but it's logistically difficult to do. And at that point, you got to turn a football stadium into an ice rink. So right. It's, it's it, it takes a lot of time to do that as well. The MLS stadium makes a lot of sense once it gets built, so it's years away. For a stadium series game, because seating is about 35000 and the stadium series is not on the same level as Winter Classic, but it's still pretty awesome. People will travel to see it. And our questions are coming up of who would they play? We'll get to that later. Now, there's other ones that have come up, and this is the one that's absolutely ridiculously atrocious to me is, well, why don't we put it at Bristol Motor Speedway? Do you remember the pictures of the football field (laughs) and how small that was at Bristol Motor Speedway? Okay? Itty bitty limited spaces. All right? (laughs) The hockey rink goes between the 20s. 
So from the 20-yard line to the end of the end zone is the empty space on each side. Well, it's not really about sight lines. It's just about breaking records. You can see at the Cotton Bowl. You can make out numbers of players at the Cotton Bowl. Unless you're in the first maybe 10 rows, Mm -hmm. you could actually see the game. And if you're on the upper bowl, you could absolutely see the game. Yeah, you're far away, but you can see it. If you're in Bristol... It's going to be intermission, and then because of the delay in sound to get to you, it's already going to be four minutes into the intermission. Yeah, they're just saying that because they can fill a lot of seats there. And, and even then, look. But that's a that's a different experience and, than what you could right. get. And there's people that have scale. said, well, just make it the Carolina Hurricanes and everything. Look, folks, the National Predators are doing very well. A lot of fans. A lot of fans. The Carolina Hurricanes, a bunch of jerks, have been doing well last season and this season, really ramping it up and making sure you know they're selling tickets and things like that. They ain't going to sell 200,000 tickets, folks. I need you to get it through your brains, okay? 200,000 tickets, 85 was very impressive. Absolutely was. Mm-hmm. But with those two teams, they're just not there yet. And that's not a, that's not a slight at either of those teams. It's just, they're just not there. Mm-hmm. People, the amount of people that have to spend all that money to go there, plus four hours away, Nashville is from Bristol, and what four and a half, five hours away, Bristol is from Raleigh. Mm-hmm. It's not convenient to anybody over there. Okay, there, there's one, and people are gonna. Well, but Bristol, you can break. I'm not about. I want people to enjoy the game and the experience as well, too. It's not just about filling the yeah, seats. Yeah, it, yes, they want to make money. The yeah. league obviously wants to make money, and they made a ton of money. But <laughs> you this. wanted to be an experience. An experience. For every single person there. Now, next one, Neyland. Would it be fun? Cool. Yeah, but it's not Nashville. If you want the Predators mm-hmm. to host something, do you believe in your right mind that the Predators are going to be like? Sure, we'll go three hours away in a different time zone. Yeah. And I have to like say that when the All-Star game came, so many fans from all over that I talked to, just they couldn't, they could not get enough of how Nashville was set up. But Nashville. And they kept, they kept talking about, oh, if only we had this in California and San Jose. Like, they're like, you just walk out and there's this entire city right there, just steps away. And so that's what makes Nashville... Nashville. Nashville. That's what makes people want Nashville to have a right. game like this. Even the football, even the pro football stadium is right across the river, pedestrian bridge. Yeah. Boom. Everything's You're right there. You're still right there. You're still right there. Logistically, that's it has to be in Nashville. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, Ann Arbor is uh, different, different scenarios, still in the market. Knoxville is not even in that market area. And you people always say, Oh, right, Pred stuff, you know, in East Tennessee, people still don't recognize it. Yeah, there's plenty of hockey fans out there, but not tens of thousands. That's just the, the you just have to realize that and understand yeah. the facts based on that, too. Would it be a neat spectacle? Absolutely would be. Would it be a tougher sell? Absolutely would be. That's that a huge be, stadium. Yeah, that would be Knoxville getting a game, not right, Nashville. Not, <laughs> not Nashville. It would be, be a neutral site game, too. Yeah, yeah. Just because in Tennessee doesn't mean that it's a Predators home game mm-hmm. because you're basically splitting it between two, between two areas. Yeah. It would be a neutral site game. No, you want to host one. It would be hard one. to feel like you're hosting. You want to host one. In a remote location. People were, people were commenting in Dallas, I'm not even seeing many Stars jerseys out because they live there. <laughs> and not to mention, Knoxville's a nice city, but if someone's going to travel for a game like that, they want to go to a big city, a city that has lots to do. Knoxville is a college town. 
and there's not a lot to do besides you know go to a UT football game, go to a winter classic, which won't be held there. But if it was, mm-hmm. there's yeah. nothing else to do but stay in the hotel. And well, you're just not getting the Nashville experience. Exactly. In right. Knoxville. And despite the Nashville experience, that's what the league loves is mm-hmm. the Nashville experience. That's what yeah. people are eating up the Stanley Cup final, the All Star game, all the NWHL stuff, everything, the playoffs. Everybody's talking about is the Nashville experience. Locals may not be like, oh, I don't want the Nashville. I don't want the woo girls. I don't want pedal taverns or anything like that. Think like the league, folks. That's what I need you to think like is what's going to be successful for the league and the team, okay? Yes, I understand you'd love to see it there. You want to see it in your hometown. You would think it would be really neat at Neyland or something like that. But it's not going to happen right now. In 20, 30 years, things are still going strong. They're still doing outdoor games. The Nationals already hosted one. Then you start looking at that when the fan base has two more generations added to it. That's what it comes down to is how big is the fan base and is it growing? Absolutely. Is it still a smaller market? It absolutely is. But that's not a slight in anything. It's just the natural state of things right now and as it keeps on growing. And we're doing a fantastic job of growing this game and you're proving it by traveling more people than can fit into Bridgestone Arena to Dallas. But we're not at the point of having a neutral site away from Nashville game. You need to host it in Nashville. And they got to figure it out. And that's what Bettman was basically commenting on. Is like they need to figure out where to have it in Nashville because it's got to be the Nashville experience because that's what you're going to sell to the away team that would play Nashville in Nashville. It's the experience that you're selling to get them to buy the tickets. Dallas, to me, it's a lot of bias showing a lot of folks I know. Dallas means a fun town. There's so much mm-hmm. food to eat, so many different cultures and food. It's a huge city, so there's obviously traffic problems, but there's plenty to do there as well. It all depends what you want. Mm-hmm. There's a great science museum there. There's great different museums. There's uh, You can explore the JFK thing as well. There's so many different things historically as well. And then just outside of there, there's the video game Hall of Fame. <laughs> I know there's so many things to do outside of the city as well and tours and things like that to do. And it was an experience. And a lot of people soaked that in and some people chose not to. And that's their choice. That's totally okay. But you got to think people are going to come to Nashville and want to do that thing to explore it. We had plenty of fans come out. To the Winter Classic in Dallas, they aren't from Nashville, but they're Predators fans. There's people from Australia that are in the States to experience so many things in the States, but they came to the Winter Classic because they're Predators fans. People want to come to Nashville. Yeah, and there's a reason why a lot of people in the league and national media said when they brought the All-Star game here, and then when the Stanley Cup final happened in Nashville, they're just like, can we bring every event here going forward? Sure, They just enjoyed the Nashville experience. And like you said... Yes, you're selling that game, but you're selling an experience as a experience. whole. And so if all you've got is a game in a stadium in Knoxville, that's all you've got is a game. Right. So. And Sam Jordan asked, what about stadiums here? Is it Nissan Stadium? Wouldn't have any interference. I think that could work. It's then again, too, is you have to sell 69,000 tickets. Mm-hmm. And remember, remember, Stadium Series is very different Winter Classic. Yeah. Other games are taking place in the league yeah. on Stadium so Series game experience. days. Yeah. That is more of a local, regional type of thing that, yes, the league's involved, but it's nowhere near the spectacle that the Winter Classic is when it is the central focus. New Year's Day, everyone's off of work, or most everyone's off of work, sorry. Mm-hmm. Most everyone's off of work during the day. It's one of those things, it's college football's going on, you know, the Turner Roses Parade going on. It's a huge spectacle of things. Stadium Series is in January or February, and yeah, it's on a weekend a weekend night, but it's just another weekend night for mm-hmm. people. And so the amount of push is not there. That's my concern. That's why I'd love it to be at the MLS Stadium mm-hmm. when that gets built, because then you know you can you, you guarantee you're going to sell this out, 35,000 yeah. tickets. Yeah. Sight lines are going to be great, and you can fit it on the field perfectly, and it, sh- and it won't interfere with MLS season either. 
all those concepts go go right into place there. I know a lot of people disagree with me, but think of like the league. Put yourself in the league's shoes. Put yourself in what's going to be the most successful type of thing for the league, for this team, for this fan base, and you're going to come down to Nashville. It's got to be in Nashville somehow. Okay, I've vented a little bit. It's just frustrating because it needs to be a Nashville thing. You want it to be Nashville? Yeah. I don't want to have to go to another city. That's not No, because that's not game. going to feel like Nashville hosting a Winter Classic. Right. It's just that simple I mean, for that, me. I mean, Nashville. That simple. This is where you do shots with the skyline of Nashville in the background and everything. Yeah. If and you're from the city and have to get a hotel, it's not a home game. Not a home yeah. game. Not a home yeah. game. Yeah. I want to wake up and go there, not yeah. wake up and be in yeah. a hotel bed. Yeah. yeah. What the heck? All right. So we have lots of questions, obviously, relating to the Winter Classic and a lot relating to the team on the ice. We're going to answer all of those up next. Penalty Box Radio, ESPN 1025, The Game. And welcome back to Penalty Box Radio here on ESPN 1025 The Game. Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell, Daniel Danana, producer Captain Kurt behind the glass. And you know, shipping up to Boston just reminds me of a point I wanted to make about stadiums and where to, to hold these games. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you have the, the, the game between Chicago and Boston, right, at, at Notre Dame Stadium. Mm-hmm. A very historic stadium. And let's think a little bit in terms of those fan bases and where the stadium's located and what they're attracting, Okay. Notre Dame Stadium, and where in the country do you think there are a huge amount of fans that are, well, let's say Irish, Irish Catholic? Those are two cities that come to mind, right, when it comes to St. Patrick's Day celebrations are Boston and Chicago, right? 100%. It it just makes sense there, why they had it there, because it's historic for them and for those fan bases there with huge Irish ties for it to happen. And Notre Dame is historic place. Very, very historic. Especially for those people. Touchdown, Jesus! So... (laughs) But but just another point on that, too, is why it's important to have it in Nashville. Okay. So we had a lot of questions come in because a lot of people – we didn't even focus on the last time because I know these questions will help cover this uh, as well. So let's go ahead with the first one here. This one's from Clay Phillips. Are struggles only coaching all players both? Fr- hashtag frustrated fan. It's a little bit of everything, and it's frustrating now. You know, Adam Vingan Athletic asked Peter Laviolette yesterday if he's still feeling any pressure and said, don't feel like getting into that right now, which means no. David Poyle earlier today said that right now, not going to make any changes, which I know is ticking a lot of people off. Mm-hmm. But I'll just go ahead and into this, then I'll hand it over to, to both of y'all as well. We know David Poyle's track record. Is he one to fire a coach midseason? No. Is it's one of those things, are there any better coaches out there right now that are that would be a good fit for Nashville? Don't throw Mike Babcock in the mix, people. No. Is one of those things you just have to see how the season goes, then you make a decision just part ways? I, I think is one of those possibilities. Or you have a, band, a quote-unquote band-aid in a situation, and it's an assistant coach who has to fall on the knife for everybody else. Or or you have a Mike Malarkey situation, like with the Titans, who he didn't want to make changes in his coach, assistant coaching staff, and then he and everyone else falls because of that. Is this the same thing that's happening to Peter Laviolette and Kevin McCarthy? We don't know. All speculation right now. What I'm trying to say is that, is there a hot seat right now? I absolutely believe there is because the expectations are so high. This team is too good talent-wise to be in the position they're in. Now, on the other hand, I'll say, in the position that they're in, they're only seven points out of being a top-ten team, points-wise. So there's that, and they have games in hand. But it's the but-but-buts because they have way more talent than what they're playing to. We see flashes of brilliance like we've had, like we've seen before, and they're not being consistent. And I, So I understand the frustrations, and who knows, maybe it's a coaching change, but from what I've seen, 
It's not a lack of leadership. I really don't think the message has been lost because they still absolutely respect Peter Laviolette and what he does as a coach. There's just something mentally that's not clicking with this team and functioning to where they're finishing off because they have so much talent, but they're not able to be consistent and to finish. Glenn? Yeah, and I think you have to remember, too, that anybody that's followed this team for any length of time knows that David Poyle is very methodical. He's very thorough in the way that he conducts his business. And so you can't expect David Poyle to make any rash decisions because that's just not what David Poyle does. And I don't think that as a fan base that you would want him to. So I think it's important to remember that he's, he's got, he's, he does have a plan. And while he did say today, he said, you know what, that's not in the plan right now, but I am open for business. And if it gets to that point where, you know, it comes time to playoffs and maybe they don't make it into playoffs, like something he's acknowledged might have to change. And he said, we might even become a seller this year. I do not know. But I think that you just kind of have to, as a fan, you know, respect the fact that David Poyle has done a great job with this organization from the beginning. And so I think that he's going to continue to do what is best for this organization. So I think that patience is hard as it is when you're watching the team that you know is so incredibly talented struggle with that identity in some moments where you're just thinking, how in the world could you have made a play like this the night before and then go, you know, do some, I, I, there's a <laughs> lot of questions that we all have that it's a lot of confusion, but at the end of the day right now, I just think that they just have to play through this and see where it takes them because I don't, I wouldn't want them to make any rash decisions. And, and it comes to that point too, is if you have an interim coach, then it's an interim coach. Most coaches are going to be more available at the end of the season because their teams are letting them go as well. They're available, mm -hmm. too, from a college team. Because if they're going to make a change, I'd rather them go a different route than a veteran coach and go the route of a college hockey coach or a junior coach that's proven themselves or someone in the AHL. Not necessarily saying Carl Taylor, which has done very well with the Milwaukee Admirals, but I'm saying to go a different route than just another person that has been an NHL head coach and this is their fourth stop on their tour. Mm -hmm. I'd rather them go something different. Danielle? And correct me if this is wrong, but I think that the Predators were so dominant the past few seasons with their cup run and the President's Trophy and just dominant regular seasons that, yes, they've had early exits, but they haven't faced an awful slump in regular season. They've had minor adversities, but now they're finally hitting that wall that they didn't hit for three or four years. And the rest of the league has figured out Peter Laviolette's system, but David Poyle isn't going to take away their head coach who has taken them to new heights that they've never really seen before in a time where the team is mental and they need to find their stability and taking away head coach just because they go through a tough slump like this, which call it a slump, maybe I shouldn't because it has been just a rocky season. But teams are going to have rocky seasons and just one little mess up, I don't think that it's worth getting rid of your coach in the middle of a season just because they're hitting some adversity. But that's pro sports today. That's pro sports in any sport. It's instant gratification. Does that mean that it's right? Not necessarily, but instant gratification. And then you have the thing that happens with Pittsburgh. They change your coach middle of the season, they go and win a cup. Mm -hmm. yeah. St. Louis, change your coach middle of the season, they go and win a cup. So people see this precedent as being set by new coaches. Like, well, why can't it be us? Like, it doesn't happen <laughs> it all the time. It it, no. Exactly what I was going to say, <laughs> right? because that is not always the case. And then you could get, you could get yourself in a situation where, you know, six weeks in and you're saying, oh, my gosh, what have I done? 
because I made a rash decision. Right. And so, Justin, like you said, who would they bring up? If they had mm-hmm. a great coach in line to take Laviolette's spot, I'd say go for it if that's really what they think is necessary. But there's it no one really to take that spot. As long as it's not a, but no. as as it's not a Mike Yo situation in St. Louis. Coach in waiting. Yeah. <laughs> oh, look how that one turned out. Uh, <laughs> Or has the team has the team going? Well, we're a team. Well, we we're are a team. team. <laughs> we don't need any of that right now, guys. Uh, Troy M asks, "How do you maintain your sanity with all the fools on Twitter? Have you seen Facebook?" Uh, then <laughs> Lauren G asks, "What is the best Corey Perry walk of shame meme?" And I'm going to go with the curb your enthusiasm uh, music to the Corey Perry walk of shame. But you know what? Any Corey Perry walk of shame meme is a great Corey Perry walk of shame meme. It's a good one. It's beautiful. That's just that's just that my little one right with there. the squid. Is it Squidward? The, squidward, squidward, squidward. the little yeah. sound that was. Oh yeah, that was that's really good. Right. That was clever. Then uh, <laughs> Abigail asked, "Can I get a yeehaw?" Yeehaw! Hi, yeehaw! Hi, yee. Okay, then uh, Ryan O'Connor asks, uh, "Would you rather have uh, number one power play and number and a last place penalty kill or?" A, Last place penalty kill and a number one, or sorry, a last place power play and a number one penalty kill. Oh my gosh, I'm so confused about what you just asked. Well, I know. number the, one, okay. Well, no, because and... would you rather have the number of the first place okay. and last place okay, and gotcha. flip them? Okay. Like if you're going to have that, I honestly would rather have the number one power play unit because mm-hmm. then what you're doing is as long as you can play a smart game and stay out of the box because then you're limiting your penalty chances, you're not giving the other teams opportunities. You could be in last place, this is true. but it's just conversion percentage. Mm-hmm. Whereas on the power play, it means other teams are giving you more opportunities to go out there and do it, meaning your ability to score more goals. Yeah. You have the opportunity to score more when you have the, when you have the number one power play because yeah. you are. Yeah. That's what I would rather have. Maybe I'm yeah. looking at the math wrong. No, <laughs> I think no, that, that makes, makes sense. sense. No, that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. So I was, I would, that's got my vote, but man, that took me a second. All the numbers on here and the letters and the, I was like, what? What is he asking? Right. Okay. So Levi is asking, what do you think the actual problem is generating offense? Defense not strong, tough, gritty as years past. Goaltending, uh, yes. All of the above. Mm-hmm. It depends on the night. And that's the problem is the inconsistency. Goaltending has been a major issue mm-hmm. this season. And that's something we haven't had to discuss much mm-hmm. before. But has been very inconsistent, even though we did say Pecorini did play well enough to win a game. And he and he has. And Soros right. has played well enough and played great at times. Right. They both have. But the problem is is that it's not, it's not, consistent. It's not night in and night and, out. And the same goes yeah. with, with everybody else on the team. It's not like there's just this one little piece that is off. It's on any given night, you're going to see a different piece that's off. And right. you don't win games that way. Yeah, and that's that's the frustrating part of it. Goaltender will have a great game, and the offense can't produce enough to get the win. They can't get the three goals, win 3-2, they can only get one goal. Uh, or defense might have a, a blip here or there, and now who knows what's going to happen with Ryan Ellis if he is going to be out for an extended period of time. Mm-hmm. And if Colton Sissons that's out for a little bit of time because he's in the IR and in a walking boot, I hate it for him that he had to miss that game. And you could tell he walked up from the ramp in a walking boot and just not, obviously not happy that he's having to miss that experience. Uh, so hopefully they'll all be better soon because obviously a healthy team is what you need. But it's also going to test the defense now and maybe make that trade market open in terms of the blue line because if they need to do something, if they want to continue to make a push towards the playoffs, that blue line is going to need to be solidified, especially if Ryan Ellis is going to be out for, say, four to six weeks or so. It's 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 very scary to me <laughs> for them to have to go through with the core that they have right now without Ryan Ellis. He's a huge contributor, him and Yossi. And we were both. just talking about that last week. Yeah. So Yeah. So all right, folks. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate it. Thank you for being a part of Penalty Box Radio. If you miss anything, penaltyboxradio.com on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for your behind the scenes and all the coverage that you need. For Captain Kurt producer, Daniel Danetta and Glenn Blackwell. This is Justin Bradford. Thanks for listening to Penalty Box Radio here on ESPN 1025 the game.